Vincent Werbergs, Derby. I know that Father's Day can be difficult for, for many, many different reasons. But I just, if I just go off script slightly at the beginning of this sermon, for those of you who are, pet, are dads, in particular, I want to speak to those of you who are new dads. And I want to say to you, Rob, as a new dad and various others, well done. Keep going. Yeah, no, 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 no more, no more kids. No more kids. That's, that's not what I'm saying. <laughs> that's not what I'm saying. You're done. Maybe. Um, where's Lexi? Anyway, um, <laughs> but if you are a dad, uh, it's the best thing in the world. It's one of the hardest things in the world. And I want to encourage you. I wanna, as a dad, I want to um, tell you to keep going. Also, I'm sorry to say, I was given an award this morning that said that I am the world's greatest dad. So the rest of you are just playing for second place. <laughs> but um, I just wanted you to know that. And then I also wanted to say, and I, I, was, I was speaking to um, Chris a couple of weeks ago, and he was talking about um, Everly, and he mentioned the kind of overwhelming sense of love that he had for his daughter when she was born. Rob didn't mention this. <laughs> He's dead on the inside. Um, but, Chris, but Chris was talking about this absolute unconditional love that he has for his new child. And I want to say to all of us this morning, that's how God sees us. That overwhelming, unbelievable, kind of unconditional love God has for every single one of us. He is our heavenly father. And if Chris and as I and as others who have our imperfect dads, who try our best but make mistakes, can love our kids like that. God, who is our perfect heavenly father, loves you because you are his. And if you hear nothing else this morning, I want you to hear that. You are loved. You are his. Right, enough of that. Let's move on. Um, this morning, I want to talk to us about something that. Uh, for some of us, we will have an instant response, an instant reaction as soon as I tell you what I'm going to talk about this morning. Um, if you are new this morning, I think you've chosen possibly the best, but you might think it's the worst day to be here. And I'll explain the reasons why in a few moments. We are going through a series looking at our core principles. What are the, 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 the things that we as a church are saying, this is... This is what is absolutely central to who we are. There are how we make decisions. They are our beliefs. They are the things that we live out, work out, week in, week out. And um, a couple of weeks ago, we looked at our first... We, got, we call these our 5Gs because we're ahead of the technology and we are uber-connected. That's... Uh, there's a, a snort of a kind of derision of that's not a good joke. Anyway, um, our first... Uh, our, our first core principle, our first G, was grace. We're going to be looking today at generosity. Our other Gs are uh, gratitude, gathers, grows. But today we're going to think about generosity. And so even in I've, the fact that I've just said the fact that we're looking at generosity, you will have had an instant reaction. because, And I think you'll probably fit into a number of different categories. The first one is, oh good, he's going to talk about money, isn't he? The vicar is going to talk about money. And actually, I'm 
Phil, Phil, today's not the right day to talk about money because I've just invited my friend to church. I've been trying really, really hard to get my friend to church and Phil is going to stand up there and talk about money. Or you are the friend and you're here for the first time and it's great that you're here, welcome. And you're thinking, oh, typical, the church is going to talk about money. He's going to, ask, he's going to want some money from me. Or you're thinking, actually, I am generous already. I give. I respond. I do random acts of kindness. I look after other people. I, I give some money away. I, I do the right thing. So actually, I, I know all this. I want to suggest this morning a couple of things. Firstly, I think generosity is more than just random acts of kindness. Random acts of kindness are brilliant and amazing, but I think it is more than that. I think generosity is a lifestyle. It is something we can choose and we can learn. I also want to say if you are new to church and you're here for the first time, I think there are some things that we might talk about this morning in terms of generosity that I think are helpful across the board. Whether you know and love Jesus and want to follow him or not. Because I think money, as we all know, is a pain. And how we deal with money holds on to us. It causes us stress. We can, we, the statistics are alarming about marriage breakdowns, about suicide, about depression, all based around money and how we treat money. So whether you know Jesus or not, I think we can all think about generosity and learn some things from it. So this morning, I want to give... I want to talk about a phrase that I think you will have all used before, but you may not know where it comes from. I want to debunk some myths about what we think generosity might be. I want us to look about what I think generosity actually is. And then, yes, I am going to talk about us as a church and the financial situation that we're in and ask for you to respond. So that's where we're going this morning. Let's pray. Loving Father, we thank you that every good gift comes from you. We thank you for all that we have. And we ask now that you may speak into our hearts and minds through the power of your spirit and that you might shape in us a lifestyle of generosity. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, for the benefit of this morning, just so you're aware, generosity, of course, is more than just money. We can be generous in our time and our effort and our energy and how we look after people and all those other things. And absolutely, that is true. And so, um, as I talk about generosity, you can hold those things in your mind, but I am going to speak in particular around financial generosity this morning. And I also want you to know that I'm not speaking about this um, as a kind of expert. I'm learning these things with you. I'm preaching to myself this morning. I do not have all of this sorted. But this is what I've learnt, and this is what I, in particular, I've read in Scripture and what Jesus has shown to me. So the first thing. There is a phrase that I think every single one of us, um, I'm going to say every single one of us, we will probably have either said this phrase or heard this phrase at some point. And that phrase is this. It is better to give than receive. And we will probably have said it whilst giving someone a Christmas or a birthday present. Just to kind of make ourselves feel slightly better. It's better to give than to receive. If we're really honest, 
sometimes it feels like it's better to receive than it is to give. And we kind of try to weigh it up, but it's, it's someone else's birthday, it's their wedding, it's, it's a Christmas. So we think, oh, no, 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 I'm going to, it's better to give than it is to receive. We have that kind of mantra that in, certainly in our world that we've used time and time again. What you may not know is that that phrase originates from the mouth of Jesus. The first time that that is recorded, that phrase is in a part of the Bible. It's in Acts. It's in Acts chapter 20. And Acts, for those of you who don't know, so we have the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John in the New Testament. They are all the stories about the life of Jesus, kind of from his birth to his death and then his resurrection. And they tell us all the stuff that Jesus kind of got up to and as he walked around and as he gathered his friends together and as he healed people and loved people and cared for people and then he died for them. He died for you and for me. He died because he loves us and he took our place. But then he rose to life. That's all the stories we get in the gospel accounts of Jesus. And then in Acts, Acts is the second part of Luke's gospel in particular. So Luke obviously wrote Luke and then he wrote Acts. It's his second part. It's his um, sequel to the first book and this is about the birth of the church we talked a little bit about this last week at the beginning of Acts Pentecost happens and the Holy Spirit is poured out but in Acts chapter 20 Paul who has had this radical change he was someone who murdered Christians and persecuted them has come to know Jesus and is walking around and he's telling people and he's setting up churches he's telling all about the love that Jesus has for them And in Acts chapter 20, he's just saying goodbye to a church in a place called Ephesus, which is modern-day Turkey. And as he's talking to them, we read this in, uh, I think it's chapter 20, verse 30-something, 35. In everything I did, Paul speaking, I showed you that, that by this kind of hard work, we must help the weak, remembering the words the Lord Jesus himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. It is more blessed to give than receive. Now, if you're from certain church backgrounds, you might say it is more blessed. I don't know why they say that. Blessed? Blessed? You decide. Uh, It's more blessed to give than it is to receive. The words of Jesus. And Paul was saying, that. look, you'll remember. This is what he was famous for saying. This is one of his catchphrases. No one, the text doesn't go, oh no, no, hang on a minute, he didn't say that. They just say, oh, you'll remember it. It's more blessed to give than it is to receive. Now, the word blessed, translated, it literally means happy. Happy. We've translated it as, oh, it's better to give than to receive. But Jesus is saying, you will be happy if you give rather than receive. You will be happier if you have a lifestyle of generosity that gives than you would be if you had a lifestyle that was all about receiving. That is so countercultural to what we think of today. In our world, our world is all about me, 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 me. Let me gather in more. Let me, um, I want increased profit. I want a better salary. I want a bigger house, a bigger car. It's all about what I can gather in and what I can prepare. And Jesus says, no, no, no. You will be happier if you give than if you receive. It's a promise of Jesus. And the reason Jesus says it, it's because it frees us from our money. 
to give our money away, to have a lifestyle of generosity, to have a heart that lives this and beats this out, is one that says, I'm here to bless others. I'm going to make other people happy. It frees me from this sense of, I need to gather it in. I need to hoard more. I need to prepare for myself. Now, Jesus says, you'll be happier. What a promise. You will be happier if you give rather than have a lifestyle of receiving. Paul, writing in a letter further on in the New Testament, in chapter, in Timothy, 1 Timothy 6, he says this, for the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. That love of money, that love of hoarding, that love of wanting to get more is the root of all types of evil. Whereas Jesus is saying, you'll be happier if you can give your money away. I want to um, talk about some myths I think we might have about generosity. Living a generous life. I think sometimes we think, first myth, is that generosity is spontaneous. That I will you know, we'll watch children in need or comic relief or we'll, we'll hear some kind of emotional plea and we'll think, I can respond to that and I can give it away. I want to say that generosity is much more than that. Generosity is not just spontaneous. It is spontaneous, but it can be much more about a kind of ordered, structured lifestyle of generosity. And this is the crucial myth that I want to say, that I think we in our world have got our heads caught up in. When we say rich people are generous, I want to tell you a myth. Listen, this is really crucial. This is a really important part. Rich people are rich. Generous people are generous. That is an absolutely crucial myth to blow out of the water. The reason I think we think that is because we think, well, once, once if we're students or we're struggling or whatever, we think, well, once I get to that point, once I get that amount of money, then I'll be able to give away. No, 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 no. No, generous people are generous. Rich people are rich. We often say, and maybe you've heard it said, oh, that was such a generous gift. Such a generous gift. Actually, was it? A lot of the time, we think that our generosity, it's, it's about the amount that we give. I don't think that that's what Jesus was implying. Generosity is not just about being rich, not just about having the cash flow, not just about giving what we can afford to give away. Generosity is something that sits within us and lives out of us. Paul, writing again in 2 Corinthians 9, encourages us to be generous. Remember this, Paul says, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. As it is written, they have freely scattered their gifts to the poor. Their righteousness endures forever. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion, and through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving 
to God. Thanksgiving to God. You can be generous in all occasions. Not just spontaneously, not just out of when you think you've got enough money. You can be generous in all occasions. Paul's using this analogy of sowing and reaping, and, and, and that makes some sense to us. If, if you plant more seed, you're going to get more crop. That, that absolutely makes sense. And so Paul's saying, well, if you, if you sow sparingly, you're not, going to, you're not going to get much back. But if you sow generously, you will receive generously. Now, there is a difficult challenge in these texts because we don't give to get more. That's a prosperity gospel, and that is not the gospel that we preach here. That is a false gospel. But there is something that God is saying to us and is giving to us. Look, if you give more away, you will receive more. One of the stories I love the most about HTB isn't a story that they tell themselves. It's a story that a guy called Mike Pilavachi tells. Mike Pilavachi runs Soul Survivor. He's been doing it for years and years. And Mike is a phenomenal man, larger than life, incredible, incredible man. Um, and early 2000, 2003, was it, Andy? 2004, Soul in the City. They ran Soul in the City. They took thousands of teenagers from across this country and, and uh, abroad into London for a couple of weeks to um, decorate houses, tidy up gardens, sort out parks where there's broken glass and needles and all this stuff. They did this incredible act of service to the city of London. It was um, a complete nightmare. Financially, a complete nightmare. Organisationally, it was such a huge undertaking. And Mike went to see Nikki Gumbel, who was then the curate at HTB, and Sandy Miller, who was the vicar at the time. And Mike went to them and said, look, these are the plans. This is the vision. This is what we're going to try and do. And um, Mike, uh, Nikki and Sandy looked at Mike and said, Mike, you're a nutter. This is never going to work but here's a million pounds to help you. The reason I share that story is because that was a church that is based around generosity. They wanted to just give it away. They wanted to support what they thought other people were doing. And so they gave. Now in the midst of that, what happens is that after Soul in the City happens and it's all done and dusted, Nikki then contacts Mike and says, look, we're, we could really do with a worship pastor. We're struggling. Do you know of anyone who might come and be a worship pastor here? And Mike, in response to the million pounds that they give them, Mike said, I think Tim Hughes should come and work at HTB. And suddenly, this connection and this relationship developed. And by HTB blessing Soul Survivor, Soul Survivor were able to bless HTB, and suddenly this generosity, this move, just started to happen. Another story. When HDB did one of their first plants, church plants in London, they were planting to St. Paul's Hammersmith, which is not very far away from uh, HDB. And uh, a guy called Paul Downham was the guy who was going to go and lead this church plant. And they started to, they put out a notice. They said, we're going to go do a ch church plant in Hammersmith. Um, if anyone lives in Hammersmith, if you're interested in coming on a church plant, come to a meeting in this room of the church uh, after the service and we'll um, talk about the vision and what it might look like. Now, of course, in HDB's world, Pretty much everybody lives in Hammersmith. I mean, that's kind of how the London life works. So you live in Hammersmith, Fulham, Putney area, and then you go into South Kent because you can't actually afford to live in South Kent unless you're the uber rich. And um, uh, so they went to this room. They expected a few people to be there. 400 people 
turned up. And Paul looked at Sandy and said, oh, I, can't, I can't take 400 people. I can't take 400 people. And Sandy said, yes, you can. Take them. Go plant the church. We'll be full again in six months. The more you give, somehow, in some God's kind of crazy, upside-down economy world, the more we reap. So generously, you reap generously. That's how God's kingdom works. Generosity is um, the, actually the only, the one thing within Scripture that God says that we can test him on. In Malachi, an Old Testament uh, prophet towards the end of the Old Testament, he says this, Malachi 3, he says, bring the whole tithe. The tithe is a tenth. It's, a, it's your first tenth uh, of um, your crop into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not open up the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. In other words, God's saying, you cannot outgive me. You can test me on this. All of this is mine, says God. You, you bring your tenth in. You kind of come and give it. You act generously. You give your first 10%, your best of your crop. And I'll keep pouring it out. I'll keep pouring out. What's he say? Blessing. Happiness. That's what God will pour out as we give generously. So I want to suggest... Oh, sorry, not yet. I'll get to there in a moment. Going back to the uh, 2 Corinthians passage, we read that it says that God loves a cheerful giver. That word cheerful there is the Greek word hilaros, which is a root word for hilarious. God loves a happy giver. You will be happier if you give than if you receive. You will be blessed if you give. If you want a happy lifestyle, give. So I want to suggest that generosity, and this is something I've learned from a preacher who I admire massively, a guy called Andy Stanley, who leads a church in Atlanta in the States, that generosity is three things. Generosity is premeditated, it is calculated, and it is designated. What do I mean by those three things? Firstly, generosity is premeditated. It is planned. It is not just responding to random acts or to an emotional appeal. There are people better gifted than I am at communicating who will be able to get you to open up your wallets and give because they put on some emotional stuff. They'll show you some images of people in suffering and you'll go, I've got to respond. That's not planned. That's a good thing to respond to those things, but a planned, calculated, kind of, I'm going to give this amount. I can say that I can give this away. I've talked with my husband, my wife, my partner, whatever it might be. I've, I've worked this through. Living a generous lifestyle is premeditated. That also means that for some of us, often we'll use the word, the phrase, oh, I'll, I'll get round to that. Yeah, I'll, I'll get round to that. I, I should sort out my giving. Yeah, I'll get round to it. No, it's premeditated, it's planned. Don't just put it off. Don't keep saying, I'll get round to it. Live it. Sort it out. It's calculated. Set a specific amount of money. You, if, you're, um, if you're being living this generous lifestyle, you can calculate this out. You can work out what your salary is. You can work out what you need to give away. The Old Testament talks about 10%. That that's the kind of baseline for our tithe. We give away 10% of what we have. That, that, that helps us to free us from our money. 
but you can work it out. I would suggest you give a percentage because I think that makes it fair. I think that's why, therefore, generosity can be, doesn't matter whether you're rich or poor, you can give a percentage of what you have. I think it should be priority, and I think that it can be progressive. You can challenge yourself, or you can test God to keep giving more. It's premeditated, it's calculated, and thirdly, it is designated. This is the fun bit, if there is such a thing of fun when it comes to money. You get to decide where you give it. You get to choose where you give your money, where you act generously. And the reason that that is important in living a generous lifestyle is it means that you can, when you know what you're saying yes to, you are able to say no. When people give the emotional appeals and they, and they, and they will do it and they, have, and they have to and I understand all that thing, you can understand, I can say no to that. I don't have to feel guilt about saying no to that because I have already planned, premeditated, calculated how much I can afford and I'm giving it to this, this and this. That is, in my mind, a generous lifestyle. So one of the things Anna and I have been trying to do with our kids, and we're not getting this right by any means, but um, when, we try, when we do pocket money with our three girls and we are still old-fashioned, we try to do it, um, we've set up for each of them uh, three different pots. Um, so we give them some cash. This is why it doesn't work, because we never have the cash. And so they keep reminding us, oh, you haven't paid us this week. Um, but we have a pot with the word God written on the top. We have a pot with the word save written on the top. And we have a pot with the word spend. So when we give them their cash, they can immediately put their bits of their money into the money that goes that they're going to give away to God. Pot of money that they're going to save so they can start to build up for something that they really want to get to and money that they can just spend on their sweets or whatever they want to go and get. I want to suggest that that's, if we want to live a generous lifestyle, if we want to be freed from our money, that kind of attitude, whether it's giving it to God or just giving it away, saving it and then Living from it is the way to do it. Because otherwise, if we decide to live from it first, that's, that margin for saving, that margin for generosity disappears. So that's how we run it. What we need to work out is how we can do that um, digitally rather than with cash, because cash doesn't... Anyway, enough of that. So, I want to talk to you just briefly about where we are as a church um, and our kind of financial position. And if you are new to words this morning, this, this is the bit that, um, that isn't really for you. You can listen in, and it might help you to understand a little bit about how we operate. But if you are part of words, if you are a family member here, this is, this is me talking to you. So St. Wordbergs was set up financially uh, on a grant that we were given by the church commissioners. The church commissioners are the people who run the Church of England nationally. They're the kind of the power brains and the money behind it all. And they gave us a sizable grant to help us to plant this church. Uh, actually, the grant went to the Diocese of Derby, and they have then allocated that money out to us. The money for that broke down into four pots. The first pot was to help us buy this building. And you'll remember, if you've been around for a while, we had um, about £382,000 from the church commissioners in this grant, but we also had to raise about another quarter of a million to be able to purchase this building, to have this as our own. 
And by the grace of God and by your generosity, we were able to do that in September 18. We, so St. Wilberg's Derby Limited now own this building. If you gave to that, I want to say a massive, massive thank you. Your generosity has set us up as a foundation. We now own the building. It's ours. We therefore need to deal with the leaks in the roof and everything else, but it's ours. Don't worry, for those of you who are now immediately looking up, the leaks are over there, not here. You're fine. It's all good. Um, so we had to raise an incredible amount of money to make that happen. The second pot of the money that was given for the grant was to help us renovate the building. And we have spent most of that money. We've still got a little bit left and we've still got a little bit more work to do. And we are so grateful to Nigel and Andy and various other people who have poured their time and effort and energy into getting the building looking as amazing as it already is. And the fact that we have kids in here and all that type of stuff, it's brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. The third part of the money was to help us with salaries so that we have um, six members of staff, four of whom are paid for by the, um, out of that grant, but that money will start to run out and it starts to tailor off. And so by uh, January 2021, um, all our salaries will be paid for from within our annual giving. And then the final part of that grant money was to help us with other costs, electricity bills and insurance and all that type of running costs. So that was the grant that we were set up with. At the moment, um, as a church, uh, we already have people giving to the life of our church. And we are so grateful and so appreciative. We have about 60, we think 67 standing orders that give regularly every month into the life of this church. And through those 67 standing orders, we are getting around about £15,000 a month, which is utterly miraculous and amazing. However, for us to reach our budget targets for the end of this year, we need that 15,000 a month to be more like 20,000 pounds a month so that we can do all the operating things that we want to do here. All the breakfasts that we do every week, all of the, the, um, the outreach that we do amongst Alpha and with youth and various other things, all of that costs money. So we need to raise that to 15, uh, from 15 to about 20,000 by the end of this year. Then, as we head towards our finances dropping away from the grant that we're given, the following year, we probably need it to get to be like more like 22,000, and the year after that, more like 24,000, so that we can pick up some of the slack in, in our financial annual budgets. So there's two ways we can do that. One is that we can ask those who are already giving to give more. And I don't instinctively like that as an idea. Although... If you are trying to live out a lifestyle of generosity and you are already giving to us, you might want to consider possibly starting to, can, can we test God in this? Can we give a little bit more, another percentage point this year? But equally, the other way around it is saying for those who are not yet giving, who call themselves members of words that this is their church family, to ask you to start giving to the life of this church. We want to do that in the easiest ways we can possibly think of. So we've come up with about what feels like hundreds of different ways for you to do it. On the chairs that you're sat on uh, when you came in this morning uh, is a, one of two things. Either a form that looks like this. This is a standing order form. And um, standing orders are the best way for us to give. 
It helps us to know that we're getting a regular amount of money each month. It helps us to set our budgets. It helps us to plan and do all of that type of stuff. Um, and uh, so standing order is the simplest way uh, for, uh, to help us in our giving uh, to life of this church. Um, if you are a UK taxpayer, we can also claim gift aid on that. And that gives us an extra 25p per pound that you give, the government will give us back. So that is also really beneficial to us. You can either do that. Um, on some of the chairs, we have these envelopes. These are perhaps more for a one-off gift. If you wanted to put a check in and just kind of give that, that's absolutely fine. And again, that can be gift-aided. But actually, none of us, my kids don't like cash for their pocket money. We all do it digitally. The simplest way is to go online. So uh, we have on our website, uh, all the information that you need to do for giving um, stwderby.org slash give. Dan, can you put up the thing that... Dan spent some time on this. This is, this is a good piece of work he's done here. You go to the website, scroll down as slowly as that or the speed that you want to, and it gives you all the information on our website um, on how you can give regularly to the life of this church. The other way, if you don't want to put in... If you're that kind of... I'm going to say lazy, that seems the wrong word. You can't put in STWW into your um, Google browser or whatever it is. Um, in a moment, when we pass our buckets around, on the front of a bucket is a QR, QR code. You can scan that and it will take you straight to that website. You don't even have to put anything in. Technology is brilliant. So you could do that as well. We also send our buckets around each week and we are really gracious for the... Uh, Gracious? No, we are really um, grateful, is the word I'm saying, I want to say. For those of you who give um, uh, through that as an act of worship to respond with cash at that point. And that's brilliant, and, you, and we will do that in a few moments. But the new thing, technology, uh, because none of us have cash anymore, we have set up a little card machine uh, that will go around with the buckets. Um, I'm going to see if I can make this work. And if I can make it work, you can make it work. Um, connected to St. Werberg's Derby. So, all right, enter your amount. I'll do that. Uh, well, it's, it's contactless, so I think there's a £30 limit. Um, so I'll just do that. You put in your amount, you press the green button, tick. And then you just... Done. I hope. So I don't know if I want to do it again now, because... <laughs> telling me to insert my card. Uh, maybe I'm getting it wrong. Chris, um, our treasurer, will tell you how to do all of that. But I think it's a sim payments declined. Maybe that's because I'm broke. <laughs> Chris, can I leave that with you? Can you set that? Can you make that work? Idiot. Anyway, um, me, not Chris, me. Um, that's the reality of where we are. We want to make it as easy as possible for you to give, even if I can't work it. And, and generosity is what Jesus is basically saying. You will be happier if you live a generous life. We respond in this way because of what Jesus has done for us. He gave everything for us. He gave his life 
for you so that you could be forgiven, so that you could know what it means to be loved. And in response to that, we give our all. We try to live out our life. We try to live how how we care for one another, how we love each other, how we um, be in relationship with another, how we do marriage, how we do lifestyle, all of those things. And part of that is how we use our finances. And God wants us to be free from that, that feeling of worry and concern and challenge over our finances. And so we're gonna now just take a moment to pause. I'm gonna invite the band to come back up and um, we would love you to take a moment to think about how you might want to respond to this. In a moment, the buckets will come around with a QR scanner on it and a, um, this thing that might work. Um, and um, if you want to respond with that, that's brilliant. Equally, I think the best thing and the thing that would help us the most is a planned monthly amount through a standing order. So go to our website, fill out the details there, we'll fill in the standing order forms here. If you fill out the form in here, the paper form, just pop it in the bucket as it comes around. But let's just take a few moments to think about how we might want to respond to this.